Welcome to Chromodiversity, a podcast for clinicians, therapists, and families about common genetic diversity in children and adults. I'm Elliot Pollack, founder of MyXXY Chromodiversity Foundation, and I'll be your host. As you probably know, associations can play a big role in filling the gaps for families and individuals with chromodiversity. For instance, when parents learned that their child has a sex chromosome variation, one of the first places they turn to is AXIS, the Association for X and Y Chromosome Variations, which features an abundance of useful information on their website, genetic.org. Here to tell us more today is Carol Nearshart, the Executive Director of AXIS since 2018. Hi, Carol. Thank you for joining me today. It's great to have you on the show. Hi, Elliot. I am thrilled to be here. AXIS is the leading advocacy and support organization in the world, probably, for people with X and Y variations. What is exactly the mission of AXIS and who is in the AXIS community? Those are great questions. So the mission of AXIS is to help individuals with one or more extra X and or Y chromosomes and their families to live fuller, more productive lives. And we fulfill this mission by working with people who have XXY, trisomy X, XYY, and then the 48 chromosomes XXYY, triple XY, and others, so in related genetic conditions. There are really four pillars we have. We have support, which we meet the needs of individuals and families and the professionals who serve them. Education, we provide current scientifically accurate information to the public and to the members of our community. Uh, research, we promote research in the field. And treatment options is the fourth thing, helping individuals just live their best lives. How did AXIS get started? That's a great story. I'm glad you asked. So back in 1989, a woman named Melissa wrote a letter to a syndicated columnist in the U.S. named Ann Landers. A lot of people might know her sister, Dear Abby. So this was back before the Internet. She wrote a letter and she said she had an eight-year-old son with Kleinfelter, XXY, and just ask people, you know, could we just get together, start writing? So she asked for a self-addressed stamp envelope, right? This was way before email. She got over a thousand letters in return. So it wasn't her intention to start this big international organization. She was just looking for someone to talk to, someone to commiserate with, someone to share experiences with. And from then we grew to the organization where we are today. Why are organizations like Axis so important for those with genetic differences or for their families. I cannot overemphasize the power of peer support, the lived experience. Somebody who is knowledgeable, sympathetic and kind, that's great, but they don't get it the way somebody who lives this every day. And so there is a huge power of people getting together, parents getting together who have kids that are similar and can say, when this comes up, this is what works for us individuals getting together, when you go to an access conference and you see the look on someone's face, who's finally meeting someone with the same genetic signature they have, it, it, it's like it's like long lost family. So that, that is really important. The other thing is we don't want the families to feel burdened. Like, you know, you have to learn all of this. You have to do all this. Learn from somebody else who's already done it you know, share your experiences. So it's really powerful. The other thing is it's easy to ignore one person speaking alone. It's really hard to ignore thousands and thousands of us when we speak together. 
Who supports AXIS financially? AXIS is supported by individuals. The vast majority of our income comes in every year at the end of the year. We don't constantly fundraise. We write one letter a year and people then give us donations. They're incredibly generous. So once in a while, we might get a grant or some other support, but it is really the families themselves and the individuals who love them, who provide our financial uh, support. We're also super careful with every dollar and every penny, you know, just, mm-hmm. just as I do in my own life, right? Now with high inflation, we watch every penny because it's really important for us to be good stewards of the contributions that people give us. Many of those being parents, I imagine, and many parents quite engaged within your organization. One way of putting it might be an army of parents who are out there advocating together with your organization. Would that be right? I would say yes. There's a number of parents and caregivers, but there's also individuals. We really strongly believe in self-advocates. We believe in the power, not about us, without us. Um, it's time and we want everyone there. There's other caregivers. There are teachers, doctors, genetic counselors, all sorts of people who come together. We also have members on our board who have zero connection to this community. They simply looked at the work we did and said, I want to get involved to help access because you're doing such good work. And that is also to me, a powerful statement of what we're doing. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges parents face? when their child is diagnosed with an X or Y chromosomal variation? One of the hardest things is this is genetic, but not inherited. So for people, you know, that maybe have a a condition or something that runs through their family, you're kind of expecting it. You're looking for it. This comes out of nowhere. So for most people, it's something they weren't expecting. The doctor might do a test um, when, when someone's pregnant saying, you want to see what the sex of the child is. What will also happen here is just, it's just so unexpected. And then the medical profession doesn't have a lot of information. So the key thing is to take a breath and to get educated. And then also what access offers is peer support. So you can talk to someone who's been in your shoes, who understands exactly what it's like to get that test result, to get that phone call. And they can help walk you through it because they've been through it. Why is it so unexpected? The reason it's unexpected is a couple of things. One, we only really started doing widespread genetic testing. The second thing, as I said, it's genetic, but not inherited. So you didn't expect it in your family. The other thing is people don't talk about it and there's no visible difference. So there are some chromosomal differences that you can, this is an invisible difference. So I, what I tell people is, you know, somebody with an X or Y variation, you just don't know it. But the sad thing is they might not know it either because 60 to 70% of individuals never get a diagnosis. We're finding now somebody with trisomy X may only get a diagnosis when she's getting a prenatal test for the child she's carrying. So there's just a lot to be done about getting people diagnosed, us talking about these differences, and then supporting each other once we know we have the difference. If the differences seem to be largely invisible, why does it really matter that someone be diagnosed? I will tell you that the experiences I've people have shared with me are this, you know, something's different about you. You might think something's wrong. People end up misunderstood. They think the behaviors are being someone who's just being willfully disobedient. 
They might think the child's not trying hard enough in school, or they might get a diagnosis of autism or ADHD or some of the symptoms, but not the underlying cause. And I've yet to meet a person who didn't tell me they were just relieved when they got the diagnosis because they said, now I get it. Now I understand what's going on. Now I I have a framework for this. And then you know what to expect and what supports you can give that individual, whether it's themselves or someone that they love. Do you find that there's a lot of misinformation or outdated information? Absolutely. You know, the internet is a wonderful thing. You, everybody can just sit down with a device and just find out all kinds of information. So number one, consider the source. Look at peer-reviewed scientific journals. Look at medical establishments you trust. And so on genetic.org, we have slash clinics. We have a list of our clinics. Things done by those doctors you can trust. There's misinformation. And as you said, the older information. I like the phrase, when you know better, you do better. Well, the scientists and doctors are the same way. Now that they know better, you know, there were some old studies that were done in prisons. There was a lot of misinformation. So something, you know, if it's older than you are, I would say, put it aside. Let's start looking at the current information. And and that's really important. But also, I would say definitely do go look up information, try to understand it. And that's where, again, an organization such as AXIS can help you sort through it. That's where going to a specialist, going to one of our ACRC, which is the AXIS Clinical and Research Consortium Clinics, go to if you can find a specialist and really get that information. You can also print off those scientific papers and take them to your doctor, take them to the educator, take them to the health professionals and say, you read this and you explain it to me. That's their job. You know, you don't have to have the the PhD or the MD. They do and ask them to help explain it to me. And I'd also say a lot for genetic counselors. Genetic counselors, that's what they've been trained to do. They have master's degrees in explaining this really complicated information into something that makes a lot of sense for us and then to help us create an action plan. We're seeing a current explosion of diagnosis in the United States in particular, due to widespread non-invasive prenatal testing, are you seeing an increase of parents and individuals contacting your services? And if so, how are you dealing with that increase? I, I think explosion probably is a good word. So the access, to, we have a helpline. People can email us or leave us a phone message and we'll get back to them and try to try to help them with these questions. As widespread NIPT, our phones have blown up. I mean, it is just so many. And and the problem is, again, you're given this information out of the blue and it's really scary. So I love what you said, which is that NIPT is not a diagnostic test. It is a screening. So it means there's a higher chance of. So you need more information before you can take any action on that. Um, One study I read recently said it was only 39% accurate, meaning the positive predictive value. So go to a genetic counselor, find out what those tests mean. But it's also great that we're going to know a lot more. And so it's a mixed bag. We love that more people are finding out. We're happy to help them. We're here for them. We also think it'll give us a lot more information about what are the true incidences of some of these challenges? Because right now we can say individuals with a certain variation tend to have more, you know, problems with diabetes or low muscle tone or something But since we don't know everyone who has it, we really don't know. So we're wondering sometimes, is it that the people who need more help come to us? Is, you know, what is it? And so 
this will really actually in the long run help us because we'll know a lot more about these conditions because we'll have a lot more information um, when you can catch everyone and not just seeing only a few people. Um, X and Y variations are spectrum conditions. So people hear a lot of that with autism, autism spectrum, your results may vary. So you really don't know. Although that's true with every child on the planet. You know, I have three kids and I can tell you they're very different. You don't really know what you're going to get. And so all you can do as a parent is educate yourself and make your best decisions. For a long time, and still today, if you read the scientific literature, um, chromosomal variations are often referred to um, as conditions, um, syndromes, uh, sometimes abnormalities, diseases. But at the same time, I think this perception is evolving quite a bit, where it can be considered simply as a natural difference, the conditions being those that are of higher risk later in life that could be prevented. I think overall, everyone's attitude toward individuals who are different, thank goodness is changing. We don't necessarily see different as negative or bad. We're seeing it as different. And so I think it's great for everyone to educate themselves about all sorts of differences we find in human beings. And the important thing is this, that everyone is given, everyone has certain places where they're very strong and, and weaker in others. And that's for every plant person on the planet. So the idea is, if you know you have a chromosomal difference or someone you love does, get in, you can get help. And the idea is it's supports. They use the word scaffolding a lot. So think of it as put, building a support system around someone who may need help with fine motor, um, you know, with, with different physical differences. If they have lower muscle tone, they may need educational supports. And so it's really good to have those things and understand them and understand that it's fine to have it. Um, I could never throw a baseball and hit what I was trying to throw. I would say the rest of you hide because I don't know where that baseball is going to go. But if I needed to do that, I would get support. And so that's true with everything. So there's nothing wrong with needing supports. Some people need visual cues to remind them of their schedules and that helps with executive functioning. There are people for whom social skills come very easily and naturally and others who don't. So having those supports, no matter how old you are when you get a diagnosis, is helpful. And there's government supports that help as well in terms of whether it's financial, medical, and things like that. And so it's really just a matter of taking an individual where they are and then helping them get to where they want to be. I thought one of the most interesting pieces of research published in 2022 was by um, the Extraordinary Kids Clinic team led by a psychologist who's a specialist in positive psychology and notes that there's a lot of research from positive psychology that shows that when you focus on strengths first, you can have much better outcomes, both for children as well as for their parents. It is the only paper that has ever been published, to my knowledge, on strengths in children with extra X and Y chromosomes, identifying a number of strengths that tend to be higher on average than their peers. How do you see the future of supporting strengths for people with chromosomal differences? I, I think there's a couple of things. The first thing is all is making sure in order to get to those strengths, we do have to make sure that people can get help with the things that they need help with, things that aren't their strengths, right? So we, do, we don't wanna take away anyone's help or support. But when you find strengths, certainly it can help. And I think now there's so much more of like different careers or things like that, different ways you can put those strengths into action. It's gonna be a long haul. 
But I also don't want people to feel frustrated if things aren't going well right now. You know, there are also challenges. And as I said, every human being has those, has strengths and challenges. Teachers can have a big influence in the positive growth of a child, yet there's very little awareness. What advice would you give to teachers? First of all, if someone's a teacher right now, I would just give them a big hug. It is a really hard job. They have just gone through a lot. Many of them are leaving the profession. So not my giving advice, but I would give them a hug and say, thank you. As a parent and a teacher, you're a team, right? In, in the school system. So in America, what we have is we would have a special education system where kids need supports. As, a, as the parent or caregiver, you need to get educated as to the laws as to the recommendations, you need to find a way to navigate that system. You need to understand the language and work with your child's teacher. I will tell you personally, I had two kids that went through the special education system and it was something I never thought I'd have to do. So you had to get educated really quick. But what you do is you find your allies in the school and the system. The other thing I would say, and I think this was popular with my kid's teacher is we'd have the big meeting in the fall write a letter explaining who your child is, what to expect, you know, the, just helping them because they don't, you have one child to advocate for. They have, some of them might have a hundred child children a day. So help them help your child. The other thing I gave them is an out. And I said, I understand how hard their job is. And I understand all the kids they need to look after and, and they're human beings. And so I described my child and I said, if this child sounds like a challenge and exciting we're in, that's great. But if you're hearing this and you think, no, I can't do this, or this is just more than I can handle, opt out. And I, and that's what I did. I worked with the team and I put my kids in other classes. And so I think that's important because it's a relationship, a teacher and a child. But I, I want to fully throw my support to teachers because right now um, they're just getting it from all sides. And I think that's one thing that we can be their best advocates. Help your teachers help your child. So parents need to be vigorous advocates for their child, um, vigorous advocates for teachers and diplomats as well. They also need to educate themselves in health aspects. And we know from a lot of research that healthcare provider awareness of X and Y chromosome differences remains on average very low. How can we increase the awareness and knowledge of X and Y variations in the medical community? Uh, that's a great question. It's true. They, they have a lot going on their plates as well. So the one thing Access has is we do have a continuing med medical education course, genetic.org slash CME, and that is on XXY Kleinfelter and adults. So anyone who's, you know, has somebody with that condition also it's a free course. So sometimes I think advocating when it's not just about your kid or your child. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, I don't know anyone with these conditions, you can still advocate, you know, say, hey, have you heard about this? Because the more we talk about it, the more people will know. Secondly, find the scientific papers because that gives them a, give your physician, whoever it is, it might be a nurse, social worker, whoever, print them out and hand them to them or email them to them. It really helps them because they need to back up what they're doing. We're doing more evidence-based medicine. So that really helps. And again, it's communication, noting things, documenting. Um, parents now are giving videos to the doctors. I'm seeing this behavior. I'm seeing this is what, it, what is going on with that. So again, it's that teamwork. 
and, and educating them. And I want to thank every parent who does that because you're making it better for everyone else who comes along. I'd also recommend, again, the ACRC clinics. We have clinics that are absolute specialty clinics where you can get a full detailed report that you can take back to your local providers that will really help them help your child. And it's true for adults as well. Fully now half of our clinics see adults. And I. it's also about adults with these conditions. You're a child only for the first couple decades of your life, but you're an adult for a whole lot longer. So I think it's important for parents of adults, caregivers of adults and adults themselves with conditions to get educated and help their providers help them. Can you talk a little bit more about the multidisciplinary model of clinics, given that when you have X and, or, and Y chromosome variations, there can be compounding effects um, of various different health risks, and it's very important to have a coordinated, integrated approach to care. Absolutely. I think the integrated approach of care helps everyone. It was six years ago where Axis, with the help of Robbie Miller, who was, was a consultant for us, he was fantastic, and helped us create the Axis Clinical and Research Consortium. So we started with eight clinics based on the model that Dr. Tartaglia and um, Shanley Davis, Dr. Shanley Davis made in Colorado, which is this multidisciplinary model. That is the ideal. And we've seen that standard and we have that now. So that expanded to other kids' clinics in different parts of the US, in California, in Atlanta, in Boston. And now we're seeing clinics for adults. And we're trying to create the same model. It's harder to do it for adults. There aren't that many places who do that sort of one-stop shopping, but certainly making sure that your healthcare providers talk to each other is really important. Um, having a checklist of what you know they need to be looking for is really important. And we're hoping that with electronic medical records, things will get a little bit easier. It'll be easier for people to share information. So yes, that is absolutely the ideal. Is that right, that you refer parents and children to research and clinical facilities to gain scientific understanding? There are studies going on at many of the ACRC clinics, certainly in Colorado. There's a wonderful study in California at Stanford, which talks about um, boys and genes and looking at that. So we have studies all over and our clinics work with each other. So somebody who lives in London might be going to that clinic there or a clinic that is at Nemours Children's Hospital in Delaware. So on our website, what we do is we have a scientific team when people want to do research in this area, they send us information. It is reviewed by our scientific team to make sure it would be beneficial to our families. And then if that gets approved, then we can post it on the ACCESS website and we'll help them recruit studies. What's fantastic about that then is then those same clinics who already know our community, they know what we want in research, they're getting the grants, doing this research, our community is participating in the research, families get to take home really great detailed reports that help them with their own local medical providers and with the schools. And then those researchers come and present the results back at our conference every two years. So it is a full circle participation. And that's with clinics in the US and in Europe. It, it's really a fantastic cooperation. I think you've just answered the question, but let me ask it anyway. Why should someone with an X or Y chromosome variation or the parent of a child with such variation participate in such clinical research? Number one is you get the experts, you get access to the top experts. They're very busy. One of our clinics have long waiting lists. 
So participating in a research study, number one, gets you in to see those people. The most important thing is then it gets you really detailed information about your child. You know, they, they can do some testing and do some information that's going to help you. But the biggest thing is we're doing it for our entire community. We need more information. We need to understand what happens in X and Y variations. What are the effects of having an extra chromosome? And the only way we're going to do that is with solid, sound scientific research. If there was one piece of research you would like to see done in the future, what would it be about? First, I'll say it wouldn't be, I wouldn't ask me. I would be asking the individuals themselves because they're the ones who live this every day. I'm running the organization. But I, I think we need lots and lots of research. You know, we need multidisciplinary. We need to look at it from every angle. What are the challenges? What are the positive aspects? You know, all sorts of things. So if I had a wish, I would have somebody give us billions of dollars that we could, you know, give a billion dollars to every ACRC clinic and they could do all the research that on their wish list. You just said something that really struck me, Carol. You said, I would ask the people who have these differences themselves. Have we actually asked those people? To what extent has the community of people who are chromodiverse been heard? To what extent are we listening to what they would like to see be done in terms of clinical care and research? That's an excellent question. And that goes to the philosophy of not about us, without us. Currently, right now, AXIS has three adults with a chromosomal difference on our board. It is really important to hear directly from people. We do surveys, we do communications, and that's, again, part of the reason we have our conference. So we have the researchers meeting, meet the families, spend days with them, share their research, and then hear back. And we also have had some of the researchers directly ask different groups in our family, what would they like to see? What projects would they like? Um, them to focus on because there's so much that's unknown. It helps them choose. But part of it then comes down to funding because I'm sure there's a lot that people would like to do, but they're going to have to do the research that someone is willing to fund. You mentioned earlier on that still today, most people who have these differences are not diagnosed. What is your position on What's starting to be discussed, which is systematic testing at birth of all children. ACOG, which is the um, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, has suggested that NIPT be offered to everyone in every pregnancy. So many people would get at least screened during the pregnancy if they if they had adequate prenatal care. I think knowledge is power, so it would be great for people to know anything about them. But I would also want to make sure it's done with the right, so that make sure giving someone the knowledge without anything to understand, you know, data doesn't become information until you give them some context. That can do more harm than good sometimes, can't it? And it's confusing, right? So I, I think if we're going to do that to make sure we do it in a way that people can understand any, any test result they get. Every two years, AXIS organizes a U.S. family conference with people who come from all around the world, which has more than doubled in attendance under your leadership since 2018. Can you tell us about the next upcoming conference? 
Oh, I'd be thrilled to, Elliot. Thank you for asking. So in June, from 22nd to 30th in 2023, Axis is going to once again hold a virtual family conference. The reason we went virtual again, part of it was inflation and costs. And part of it was because we got such great feedback about our last virtual conference. So don't worry, we are going to meet in person again as soon as we can. <laughs> so what this conference is going to be is um, just days of sessions. And don't worry, it's not all day for a whole week. That would be tiring. But we do different sessions and based on everyone's input. So I'll tell us, everyone, if there's something you like to see, if there's a topic you want to hear about, we have a survey open right now on our website so people can start making those suggestions. What a virtual conference also allows us to do is group people in all the different ways. So you can have sessions with people in your geography who live near you. You can have sessions with people who are um, your same age or this, have the same genetic condition. Also, just breaking down into a lot of different topics. We have lots and lots of sessions on testosterone replacement therapy, which is really important. Fertility for those with X and Y variations. Uh, school issues, IEPs and special education, behavioral issues. Um, last year, we did a session um, that we called confabulation because some of the kids end up, you know, they're not giving the correct answer to a question, you know, and, and so some of the parents thought the kids were intentionally not telling the truth and that's not the case. So any kind of subject that we have. And so what we do with this, it's peer to peer. It's great individual support. We also have all the, the specialist doctors from around the world. Uh, the ones, if you've read the scientific papers, you know their names uh, who will come and, and give presentations at our conference. So it's a fantastic family event. We make it very affordable and uh, we hope that everyone can participate. And the dates are? It is June 22nd to 30th in 2023. Go to the Access website, genetic.org. And uh, you on the top, there's a stay connected button. So if you're not already receiving our newsletters, it's in the upper left-hand corner. It's stay connected. Click on that. Give us your email address and you'll start getting our monthly newsletters and find out more about our conference. That's absolutely brilliant, Carol. Thank you so much for being with me today. Well, thank you so much uh, for doing this podcast and for having me as a guest. And just want to let everyone know we're here for you. You know, that's, that's what Axis does. Whether you need us today or you need us in five years, we're going to be here for you. So thanks to everyone for all that they do to support our community. Thank you for listening to this conversation with Carol Mearshart, Executive Director of AXIS, the Association for X and Y Chromosome Variations. As you heard, associations like AXIS play a big role in filling the gaps for families and individuals with chromodiversity. For instance, as one of the first places parents can turn to when they learn their child has an extra sex chromosome. AXIS also acts as an important interface between researchers, clinicians, families, and chromodiverse individuals, working closely together for the advancement of education, clinical care, and scientific understanding. This matters because, as you heard, despite the explosion in non-invasive prenatal testing, it is estimated that 70% of people with X and Y variations in the United States, for instance, are still undiagnosed. Healthcare provider awareness is still low, and misconceptions are still common. This can put a remarkably heavy burden on parents and chromodiverse individuals to become assertive, highly knowledgeable self-advocates. That's why 
I believe it's incredibly fortunate we have outstanding organizations like Axis working selflessly in the background to help out. The good news is that, as Carol points out, the perception of genetic variations is starting to move away from deficit towards difference. The golden standard model of multidisciplinary care continues to spread, and individuals with such differences themselves are starting to get a long overdue seat at the table. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Please show your support by donating to our podcast today. With your help, we will ensure an easy listening experience so you can access engaging and authoritative information on common genetic diversity in children and adults, notified to you weekly in your inbox. We understand not everyone can pay for podcasts, and you can also subscribe for free weekly notifications simply by clicking the upper right-hand subscribe button and entering your email. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Chromodiversity and have a wonderful day.